Because <laughs> again, if I'm gonna go out like that, I mean, I'm going at women gonna be hanging from the ceiling. They are gonna be doing flips. You know, it's gonna be all the tricks, right? The it's stuff. the pyrotechnics, <laughs> high quality, <laughs> all kinds of stuff going on. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. <laughs> Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And this is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. And you're listening to and or watching the Snob OS Show, the show for Apple snobs, where we talk all things Apple and then some. Uh, we want to thank you back to another episode. This is episode 120. We've been doing this for a while and we're going to keep it going. So we're going to get right into the show. Uh, this is our first segment called The Lowdown, where we talk all things Apple. Uh, not a lot going on, but there were definitely some interesting things. Uh, we talked about some uh, voter suppression things going on in our state specifically in the pre-show. So if you are not a member of our snobbish community, you definitely want to join that so you can get that extra content. But uh, speaking of which, you know, voter suppression, all the new voter laws that are being enacted in Georgia uh, and other states, you know, uh, Tim Cook was on, was quoted recently to suggest that maybe voting for, from your iPhone would be something he would be interested in seeing. And I just uh, came up with a uh, story from uh, Gaines, GameStop uh, to where uh, Cook told the New York Times that the answer to restrictive voting practices that I mentioned before may be something very different than current voting practices. He said our current voting practices are arcane and the conversation on voting access should revolve around modernizing it with new technology like <laughs> voting from phone. Of course, Apple is probably the major uh, manufacturer of smartphones. So, of course, <laughs> like the young <laughs> kids say, you know, he put his bid in, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, Shooting his shot. <laughs> right, he shot his shot, exactly. So I wanted to uh, put out this actual quote that he said. He says, you know, I would dream of that because I think it's where we live. We do our banking on our phones. We have our health data on our phones. We have more information on a phone about us than is in our actual houses. So why not? Of course, so why not being why not vote from iPhones, right? Because like he mentions, you know, we got the, D, D, the DMV uh, for some of us <laughs> with student loans. We got the Department of Education, <laughs> you know, for your mortgage, you know, you've got to submit all this information. So all that to say, we do a lot of things on our phones that have a lot of information on us. So Tim Cook is making the case that, OK, well, why not vote from our phone? Because all you need to do is make sure you are registered to vote. That's less information than the D DMV, Department of Education, you know, any other department that has all of our information, your mortgage, your, your, mm -hmm. your daggone cell phone bill knows more information about you than, you know, your regular state voter registration, which knows who you are, where you live. That's pretty much it as far as voter and and that you're you know able to vote in the United States. You know, so uh, if all of this information is already in our iPhones, why not vote from your iPhone? That would cancel out all these questions about voter fraud, you know, these alleged supposed 
you know, questions about voter mm-hmm. fraud, which I mean, come on, let's let's not front. All this stuff is just right. made up, right? We know what it is. Right. Yeah. So if that's the concern, since we've all got all this health data, all this personal personal identifiable information already stored on our phones, why not use that information and go ahead and register for register by loss? I mean, uh, vote via phone. So I guess I just wanted to get your take on what do you think? You think that would alleviate some of these questions with this technology? Because, again, we're going to get into a story a little bit later to where, you know, there's been another data breach. So, you know, all that being considered, what do you think about Tim Cook's idea to make voting easier by uh, voting by phone? It only makes sense. Mm -hmm. If you can securely have all of your financial documentation and accounts, you can switch money from bank to bank. You can switch money. You can transfer money from person to person. The IRS even has an app. If I can pull up my data from the IRS app, why can't I pull up the, you know, why can't I vote on my phone? Right. As with all things, there are ways that it can be infiltrated, but they can be infiltrated on paper as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we go and vote on these machines, mm-hmm. they are computers right. that we are voting on, that they are uplinking the information from a local server to the main state server mm-hmm. into the national, you know, so Database. it's, yeah. yeah. So it's not as if it's completely implausible to do. Mm-hmm. Would there need to be some additional work around it? Of course it would. As with anything, right. you need to make sure that it's secure and that it's safe. So, you know, this is 2021. Mm-hmm. We thought we would have flying cars by now. Right. And we don't. <laughs> but we did send um, a vessel to Mars. Mm-hmm. They are picking up and collecting soil samples, analyzing them, and sending that data back to Earth. Mm-hmm. So you mean to tell me we have all these tech companies, we have all this tech talent. You mean to tell me that the United States government cannot find a way to create a system where we can vote be via mobile device. And let's be clear, not everyone has a smartphone. So not everyone will be able to vote by phone. Mm-hmm. But for the folks who do have it, mm-hmm. it cuts out long lines. Mm-hmm. It cuts out, you know, having to be inconvenient right. and then have one system from the local um, voting sites send it to the precinct and then that precinct collects them they send it to the state it takes out a bunch of the the middle part mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. and it makes it so much convenient more convenient and you don't have to worry about people standing in lines not being able to get water right. or go to the bathroom or have food you don't have to worry about people in black communities standing in line for 12 hours to vote whereas in another community it takes them 15 minutes to go in and out and vote and, the, and the machines aren't people. unplugged <laughs> there ain't one machine are, per entire county enough, right they have enough machines right they have power cords for the machines right they have people who know how to work the machines let people use these devices because they are secure right. now we know that some devices we know that android has some security issues but that can be worked around right i mean i don't see 
why this isn't possible. Right. Well, I know why. It makes we know why. People to vote. <laughs> and as we've seen with the state of Georgia doing a no excuse mail in ballot, mm-hmm. uh, the harder- encourage so many more people to vote. And you see the extremes that some of these uh, lawmakers have gone to completely demolish all that, even though it was their ideal. Right, right. The harder it is to vote, the less likely people are to vote. The better that is for certain groups. So uh, yes. I think that may be more of the pushback. Uh, again, like you like you mentioned, we've got all this other more important data that we do on our phones, you know, like our financial information. So, you know, no financial information is connected to my vote. You know, mm-hmm. so why is uh, uh, voting such a a arcane, archaic method of you know, uh, submitting my interests or voting on the behalf of my interests more important than me transferring thousands of dollars to pay my mortgage. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and it, the thing is, ahead. they're holding on to these arcane system for no apparent reason. They keep going back to talking about what the forefathers wanted. Quite frankly, I don't care what them people thought because <laughs> right. they didn't see me as a person anyway. And they didn't so have. Why and they should didn't, I care? And they didn't have well, no iPhone. <laughs> if they would have right. had an iPhone, they'd have been like, "Bump this." Let me go ahead right. and text my. <laughs> Let me text my vote in real quick. They could not have possibly had the foresight right. to where the nation and the world would have gone. They couldn't have even fathomed right. a basic rotary phone. So the technology that we have now, they didn't write these rules and regulations with the thought of, oh, what's going to happen, you know, 600 years later or how many ever years later. Mm-hmm. They didn't think about that. They were in the moment. They were forming a new nation based on colonialism. <laughs> but I digress. But they were working, you know, they were in reactive mode when they came up with this whole country and system and rules and regulations because they had just, you know, bolted from from England. Mm -hmm. So they were trying to say, okay, we got to get a government working. We know we don't want what we just came from. Let's see what we can do to improve that. And where we are now, let's see what we can do to improve it going forward. Right. (laughs) All right. So we'll see. Hopefully in our generation, you know, we may have to wait a little bit longer for a flying car, but maybe we won't. We'll probably be old. We can't even drive our kids to have to drive us around. (laughs) But maybe we won't have to wait that long to vote on an iPhone. So, right. All right. uh, Moving on to the next story. Um, This kind of goes along the whole AirTags uh, story that we, or product rather, that we've been waiting on, waiting on, waiting on. Hopefully at this next Apple event, they'll announce something, but, you know, further evidence that Apple is going to launch something based around device tracking outside of an iPhone, an iPad, a MacBook, an Apple Watch is Apple has uh, offered offers this find my uh, d- uh, testing uh, app to let third party developers test to see if some of the devices that they manufacture are compatible with Apple's new find my feature. So mm-hmm. basically the name of the app is called find my certification assistant <laughs> and the Apple, the app will help accessory makers test the compatibility of their device with Apple's find my network. So you talk about, I don't know, uh, 
uh, TV remotes to, you know, luggage, maybe, you know, we've got some smart luggage out there that has GPS tracking in it, you know, anything from, you know, you can drop a device in a purse or a wallet or a bag, maybe in, even in car technology, you got a lot of cars mm-hmm. out here that are connected to the internet. So uh, companies like this can use this find my certification uh, development kit to actually test to see if the products that they're making can actually be used within Apple's find my technology. So I guess I wanted to ask you, is this uh, more evidence of Apple releasing these air tags that will enable, you know, Apple users to find random products? You know, I think so. The funny thing is, um, I think I talked a couple of weeks ago about me shifting gears from the current role I have, which is pretty much on the um, advanced uh, analytics engineering, and I'm shifting over to AI and ML. So my mom actually sent me a text, what was it, uh, a couple days ago. And for the company that I work for, even before I switched into this role, you know, my family members would always send me these ideas. Can you add this? Can you do that? <laughs> and so she sent me, <laughs> so she sent me a text um Monday and she was like, uh, can you add Bluetooth de- design to find a specific thing in your system? Uh, and the specific thing is relates to relates to what I do. Uh-huh. Well, the company that the type of company that I work for. And I just laughed because I'm like, well, actually, uh, there probably is something coming out mm-hmm. where you can mm-hmm. put this on your keys right. and you can find it from your iPhone. Right. So it just goes to show that um, people seem to be, you know, really into this concept mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. Um, you know, having something to link to their iPhone mm-hmm. to find, you know, random random things Mm -hmm. so uh, i guess my question to you is (laughs) does your family actually think you can do this or do they just be joking no they're dead serious (laughs) like my nephew uh he is the sweetest thing he um he loves to draw he loves to design and um he has been drawing and designing vehicles okay and he wanted me to take one of his designs to someone that I might know to see if I can get his vehicle made. Oh, okay. So, they're dead serious. You know, they're dead serious. <laughs> <laughs> they are dead serious. Even when I started working for this company, I wasn't doing anything remotely, remotely related. Right. <laughs> but just because I work there and uh-huh. it's pretty big, pretty well known, they just assume that, hey, why don't you go in? you know, run this real quick. Right. Run so, this yeah. by so the CEO. <laughs> yeah. And it was just very funny, you know, that she would say, can we get some Bluetooth something to make it easy to find, mm-hmm. you know, things I use every day. So, um, so yeah, I, I definitely think this is, is on par. I'm interested to see what the air tag looks like mm-hmm. if it really is you know the circle and you know how do you attach it mm-hmm. is it adhesive mm-hmm. is it like on a hook like how how is it actually going to work and is it going to add i guess any more bulk because me the only thing i have on my key ring are my keys right my keys and like a little like a little doodad that kind of hangs off of it mm-hmm. 
but that's the only thing that's on my key ring. I like keep my house keys separate. I usually just keep, you know, house keys in my car. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, it's interesting to see how this is going to fit into the ecosystem. So, right. um, hopefully, you know, in what a couple months, um, We'll be able to see whether it be at WWDC or whether it be an Apple announcement um, this month. So, right. yes. but I definitely think it's, it's it's poised to to come out within you know the next few months. Right. So my key is I actually have a, a tile enabled keychain, and it doesn't add the the actual technology to pull up you know the uh, location based technology on the keychain is actually built into the actual keychain. To where, of course, I got to charge it up and I got to make sure it's powered up. But um, the only extra weight or size it adds to it is the actual size of the the chain, which is about that big. So it's not that much more. Uh, so it'll be like you mentioned, it'll be interesting to see how Apple does that. Is it like some sort of small badge with a hook that you can hook onto a regular keychain. And do you have to charge it? Is it something that has to be charged? Uh, if ma- you buy five of these things, like uh, my, you my- take it off, whatever you're using, or you just keep it kind of stored somewhere until it's time to use it? Or I don't know how it works. Right. My guess would be it has a shelf life. Maybe if it's 40 or $50 for one of these devices, it lasts uncharged or you don't have to charge it, but it lasts for two years, maybe. And then you have to buy another one, maybe. Of course, that, that's not eco-friendly. But at right. the same time, I don't have to worry about having to charge it up because I'm not going to charge it up. And that'd be the one time I need it. And I haven't charged right. it in six months. And I'm like, oh, so let, I me, can't buy it. let me pull out my phone and be like, oh, yeah, the thing is probably dead. So personally... I would prefer having a shelf life of maybe two years and I have to go buy another one. So that maybe you can recycle, maybe they have like a recycling program where you can take it, you can give it back, maybe get a little discount. I'll find another one, Mm -hmm. something of that sort, because I just, if they are true to size and some of the mock-ups that we've seen, they are pretty small. So unless, you know, they're not doing the air power mat. We know that the current MagSafe charger probably isn't suitable. So I just, I don't know how you're supposed to to charge these things up. And, you know, honestly, if people are going to buy these, they're probably going to buy multiple mm-hmm. to put on, you know, a keychain, mm-hmm. put on your pet, mm-hmm. put on your um, uh, a piece of luggage, put mm-hmm. on your laptop. I mean, you know, put on your camera. I mean, it's so many different things you could use it for. Put or, it in your wallet. Right. You use your wallet. Or in this case, with this new uh, Find My Certification Assistant, maybe the company, the the manufacturer, the device maker builds the AirTag technology. And I'm putting quotes for my podcast listeners. Um, They build that technology into the device. So there isn't another device that you put on to like a wallet right because maybe you just charge up the wallet itself that in and of itself you know gives it enough power same thing with luggage same thing with you know any other piece of technology like a um 
Bluetooth speaker. You already are going to charge a Bluetooth speaker in order to get the sound out of it. Well, maybe having AirTag technology built into this Bluetooth speaker automatically gives it the ability to go into your iPhone, open up the Find My app, and it's already charged because you need it to function. You need to charge it in order to function. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, it's going to provide location-based technology. So I'm hoping that's the case. We'll just have to plug up everything. <laughs> I, I see a world to where nothing will, you know, lights to, you know, anything, you know, we'll have to plug it in to charge it up. But then it does mm -hmm. all this extra stuff. Right. <laughs> right. right. All right. Um, that is it for the lowdown. We got, you know, uh, a couple of stories, but that enables us to talk about them a little bit more. So we're going to move right along to our next subject, uh, second string, where we talk all things tech. And uh, we've talked over the past couple of weeks about, you know, all of the the new uh, or recent attacks on people of Asian descent. Um, I don't know if you saw that uh, video in New York where the guy is caught on, I guess is a hotel camera. Um, mm -hmm. He just knock this old lady down uh yeah. she was asian and, and was just uh kicking her and what what was so strange about that particular story was there were people i don't know if they were doormen i don't know if they were security guards but they it looks like from the camera's point of view they, they witnessed mm -hmm. uh the attack and instead of going out to help instead of scaring the person off they just kind of shut the door you know, so that was all. Like, we don't want no parts of that. Yeah, which was, I mean, on one part, I get it. You don't know if this guy had a gun. You don't know what kind of mental state this is. But from what I saw, it was like three dudes and they were mm -hmm. some big boys. Mm -hmm. They could have easily been like, yo, let's 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 take care of this lady. So all that to say, um, there's been a lot of new recent uh, reports of um, attacks against Asian Americans. You know, everybody is kind of uh, decidedly hyper kind aware. of- Or not just hyper aware. They have pointed it to the fact that this whole pandemic kind of originated in China, which again, you know, it's kind of turned people to kind of unfairly target people of Asian descent again. And it doesn't help when the leader of this country was calling it the China virus. Exactly. So that doesn't <laughs> help at all. So- all that to say, there's been this newfound or recent uh, attacks toward people of Asian descent. So the hashtag Stop Asian Hate has kind of popped up and companies are speaking out against this hate. Uh, Yelp, uh, one of these companies has decided they're going to make it easier to support Asian-owned businesses in Yelp by allowing uh, companies to add a specific tag to their, um, to their business, to their restaurant. To where, you know, if you are looking to support Asian owned hmm. businesses, you can go on to Yelp, see that this business is Asian owned, and then you can decide to support that business or not. In addition to that, Yelp is making it easier for, um, or, or not necessarily making it easier, but putting forth new, um, uh, I guess, new, new manners in order to monitor and restrict, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, not necessarily Asian hate crimes, but any sort of uh, comments, negativity towards the Asian community, they're putting in better moderation, better guidelines in order to 
remove some of that content away from their site. So uh, according to uh, Yelp, and I'll just read this actual quote, it says um, uh, Yelp is citing a 130% increase in Yelp searches for Asian owned businesses in February, 2021 uh, alone. So there is a, uh, the community is responding to these recent attacks on Asian American community and to figuring out what can we do to help? How can we support? Exactly. So uh, Yelp is just one of the companies that are actually trying to figure out how they can support that community more. So I just, I just wanted to get your, you know, thoughts on, you know, that this whole movement. I think it's great. I think um, a lot of times out of tragedy comes innovation. Mm -hmm. And I think this is just one of those innovations. We've seen it before with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, We've seen it um, now with the uh, Stop Asian Hate movement. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen it, you know, as it relates to COVID, you know, different innovations um, to help people during these un- I guess during these difficult times, during these new territory type of times, because we're in a phase now, even though we had, you know, like the civil rights movement and, you know, Jim Crow era, um, it was, it was really, it was really tough. It was really bad. And, you know, the way we came out of that, you add in, you know, the whole social media aspect to anything like that. Um, I just think I just think that it just amplifies it and these type of, you know, just concentrated thoughts on how can we improve the lives of the people that are affected by these um, type of instances. I think, you know, it's just showing how, how if we take a moment and think about someone other than ourselves, we can come up with ways to help, and, you know, benefit everyone. Right. And it doesn't have to be that complicated. I think something right. like this technology or something as simple as Yelp saying, OK, well, we're going to make it easier for people to support Asian owned businesses by just adding a probably a couple of lines of code. Again, I'm not mm-hmm. a developer, so I don't know, but I would assume it would take maybe a intern, a summer intern, somebody maybe a couple of weeks to come up with some code to be able to put on their app to say, Hey, this is an Asian owned businesses. Mm-hmm. This is an Asian owned business. If you want to support whatever the case may be, you know, so it's not, I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, they fear change because they may not understand it. They may not know. Okay. Well, if I change my whole manner of thinking or belief system from this to this, what sort of effect is that going to have on my livelihood, my well being? It ain't even mm-hmm. that deep in some cases. It could be just as simple as, hey, you know, let me support an Asian uh, Asian owned business. You know, mm-hmm. how can I do that? How or, can that be easier right. if someone wants to do that who is not of that community, but, you know, wants to to help and be involved? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not even just, you know, even if you think outside of, you know, just the Asian community or the black community, there are so many different types of ethnicities in this country that has things and, you know, restaurants, you mm-hmm. know, clothing, whatever the case may be, that other people would want to enjoy. This right. makes it simpler for someone who is not aware to be able to find it. Yeah. 
So shout out to Yelp for uh, doing that. All right, let's move on to another story. So we (laughs) kind of mentioned in the pre-show that we, uh, I guess, in Back to the Future, they said in 20, I want to say 2020. I can't remember the actual date. Uh, the first Back to the Future, they, you know, Marty McFly went to the future and, you know, Doc had this flying car and uh, we are in 2021 and that is not the case. But uh, the UPS has decided they are going to buy some electric aircrafts to make deliveries a little bit easier. So while we're not flying in cars to pick up things, um, they are ordering or delivering or using electric vehicle aircraft to actually speed up uh, package delivery. So basically these are eVTOLs and basically what a VTOL is in military terms, it's just a vertical uh, 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 liftoff and um, landing vehicle to where it doesn't need a runway. It's not a t- traditional jet or a Cessna, you know, but it's not a helicopter in the sense that it doesn't have the traditional propeller type and it, it and it's electric. Um, UPS has ordered uh, 10 of these electric vehicles and they're going to carry up to a thousand to uh, 1500 pounds of product to smaller markets. So places where they may not have a major airport or some place to where you may need emergency equipment, you know, like a hospital, you know, to mm-hmm. where they can utilize these auto- not, not necessarily autonomous because they will be uh, in, in, in this, um, article that I've seen, it will take a pilot, but it will be electric. So that cuts down on carbon and emissions and the sense that, you know, it'll be used to do a lot of deliveries because like we mentioned, uh, with this pandemic, a lot of things have changed. A lot of people are starting to order more online and that is starting to clog up some of these traditional, uh, delivery methods. I mean, case in point, that big barge, that got jammed up in the Suez Canal, you know, that probably slowed up a lot of people's <laughs> deliveries. So yeah. U- yeah, UPS is looking to, you know, circumvent some of those challenges and have purchased 10 of these electric vehicles. Um, so I'll give you a little bit more information. Vermont-based beta technologies will design and build the EV tolls, which are set to be delivered to UPS in 2024 pending certification from the Federal Aviation Administration. Beta will also provide landing pads and rechargeable batteries. UPS holds an option to purchase up to 150 more EV tolls. The price of the transaction is not disclosed. The EV tolls can fly up to 250 miles at 175 miles per hour on a single charge. Uh, the EV tolls can have a capacity of anywhere from 500 to 3,000 pounds. So Mm -hmm. 3,000 pounds is not nowhere near the amount of cargo that UPS can put on one of those big, you know, um, 737s to fly from airport to airport. But if you're in a rural area and you have smaller packages or you have medical equipment that doesn't weigh that much, they can dispatch these smaller electric vehicles, go back and forth more frequently uh, with lighter packages. So uh, I guess my question to you is, you know, do you see this becoming more of a popular trend? And eventually, do you think technology like this will be converted to actual moving people around? So you think like a, a Uber or a Lyft 
maybe mm-hmm. actually utilizing this technology once it's kind of ran through the paces with uh, delivering packages? Do you think that companies will start to use this to where we'll start to maybe get to the point to where we're not doing flying cars, but we are using aircraft for more of a shorter, more personal, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, tra- um, tra- travel? I think so, because I want to say a couple of weeks ago, we talked about something similar to this um, happening in Ireland um, mm-hmm. with was it Amazon. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it was. I think it was Amazon, but they were using drones. So they were going to they be, were using drones. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think all of this, you know, with the drones, with these type of vehicles, I think, you know, you always have to test with, you know, you know, non-human subjects first. Right, right. But I think this is just the first foray into it to see how it can be done. If you think about, you know, the infrastructure, how can, are we going to have like a sky, you know, highway, right. you know, how, what are the logistics behind this? So mm-hmm. I just think this is a way that they can start off small, they can still make money mm-hmm. and they can still get um, packages um, and around not, and not and not kill anybody, <laughs> not kill anybody, and not have a whole lot of liability. Right. So I think, um, I think you know these are the precursors. So hopefully, we'll you know we won't be too old when they come out with this. You know that we'll be able to partake in the uh, Jetsons type of you know flying vehicle mode. But I think all of it is leading up to it's all ramping up to, to that type of technology, I believe. Yep. Yep. So, uh, if I were a betting man, uh, I would definitely, well, personally, I'm going to actually look into some of these companies that are providing these, uh, aircrafts. So you can, you know, everybody's trying to figure out how they can make some money off of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would definitely be looking in, of course, uh, brother tech or snob OS are not financial advisors, you know, take these advisement risks at your own risk, <laughs> but, you know, definitely. We are speaking of our personal desires as it relates to our personal finances. Right. But I, <laughs> having said all that, I am definitely <laughs> going to start to look at some of these companies because this is definitely the future. It ain't as soon as we wanted it to be, but this is definitely autonomous vehicle, you know, air travel because, you know, the roads Batteries. are already. Yeah, sorry, electric charging, electric vehicles, you know, uh, you know, the roads are already clogged up. I mean, we're in Atlanta, so we already know how clogged and jammed up, you know, our highways and byways are. So definitely, if you're looking to invest in this pandemic to make a little chunk of change, you know, trying to figure out alternative uh, methods of travel and distribution, uh, definitely. (laughs) Definitely look into that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. All right. All right. So uh, moving on to our final story in second string. Uh, I mentioned it at the top of the show. Um, There was another uh, data breach, of course, with uh, our lovely friends at Facebook. (laughs) It (laughs) looks like uh, personal information, uh, including phone numbers, Facebook IDs, full names, locations, birth dates, bios, and in some cases, email addresses uh, have been leaked uh, from 106 countries, including 32 million records users in the U.S., 11 million users in the U.K., 6 million users in India, of course, uh, from a recent Facebook data breach. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Facebook 
are people deliberately stealing this information to tank Facebook? Because it seems like every two or three months they are involved in some other sort of uh, data breach. Um, I think they just think they're too big to fail. Maybe they're too big to fail. Case in point, uh, when all this stuff kind of came out, you know, you just told me about this story uh, today. But going back in my mind, I remember watching CNBC and they were uh, I was kind of working and it was playing in the background and they mentioned the Facebook breach. But the stock market price kept climbing. And that kind of speaks to your point that Facebook seems to be too big to fail because the stock market, the stock price didn't take a tumble like it normally does. You know, when you hear about kind of news, you know, you can kind of tell based on the stock price, whether it affected the company or not. And obviously Facebook's numbers went up last week. So I guess, like you said, they are too big to fail uh, because there are what uh, two, three, four billion people using Facebook. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess this is not an issue. Um, it, I think it's definitely an issue. Well, it's yeah, just the impact, I guess. The impact nope. yeah. and people aren't going to get off Facebook. I mean, I don't, People just aren't going to get off Facebook. Right. I mean, no matter, you know, what seems to happen. Um, and that's been proven multiple times because they've had data leaks before. They had Cambridge Analytica. Mm -hmm. They've had, you know, they're listening to, we did the story a while back where they are listening to your conversations and they have people that just sat there and listened to your conversations, um, you know, through the app. So, this whole battle that they have with Apple about this whole, you know, privacy. The, the, the privacy tracking. Right. So all of these things have been uh, out there and in the, you know, in the main space. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, the thing that, you know, I heard about this. I didn't, I don't think I, I don't know if I heard about it or if I just kind of saw the headline that it was this many people that were breached. But one of the things is I think it was found by an outside agency, but I think Facebook already knew about it, but they didn't tell the people who were affected by it. Right. So, uh, so to Facebook's, um, to face, to, to, to give Facebook some credit, I guess, uh, according to this story, a Facebook spokesperson told insider that the data had been scraped because of a vulnerability that the company patched in 2019. So according to this story, Facebook's, you know, you could make the case that Facebook said, oh, you know, we were made aware whether they found it themselves or like you mentioned, an outside company found it. They patched it back in 2019. But the fact that the, there was still data that got out and we didn't hear about it until what, April 2021, you know, mm -hmm. again, you know, companies like Facebook, you know, deciding to not disclose this information eventually is going to come to light. So you either take the bite, bite the bullet then, or you bite the bullet later when a company decides out of nowhere, they're going to write a story about this breach that happened to 533 million people three mm -hmm. years ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. right. And I did a little quick uh, Googling in and calculations approximately 36% of the world population has a Facebook account. Mm -hmm. It's about 7.8 billion people in the world. Mm -hmm. There are about 2.8 billion Facebook accounts. Yeah, buddy. So that is a lot of phone numbers. 
uh, email addresses, locations, and birth dates. So uh, if you are starting to get more and more text messages and phone calls asking you to renew your car warranty, (laughs) maybe (laughs) Facebook has something to do do with it. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. All right. All right. So that is it uh, for second string. Uh, we're going to move into our for the culture segment where we talk all things social media or just anything culturally relevant. Uh, did you watch the Earth, Wind and Fire versus the Isley Brothers? Am uh, I black? of course i did on easter sunday no less right right this was one of those events that most people uh tuned into Uh, i watched grandpas aunties papas Mm -hmm. yeah everybody's in it and the reason why is because music from earth wind and fire and the isley brothers spans so many generations you know you can think of like the beatles and a lot of people like the Beatles, but mostly older people like the Beatles. You never catch none of these young kids actively listening to the Beatles. Same thing with the Rolling Stones. Even the same can be said for like, you know, some more urban uh, artists, you know, but I can't think of too many artists like Earth, Wind and Fire, Fire and Isley Brothers to where my parents listen to them. My parents' parents listen to them. Mm-hmm. I listen to them and I'm passing that same music, you know, Saturday Saturday morning, cleaning up, clean up time. We're playing the same music. Right. So I think that reason is, I think why a lot of people tuned into this one. Uh, I think some of the takeaways that most people were saying that a lot of the songs, one, a lot of their songs were sampled so many times by so many artists. Right. Number one. Number two, uh, a lot of the music that was played, a lot of people didn't know that either the Isley Brothers or Earth, Wind and Fire did that music. We're responsible for it. Right. We're responsible for that. Again, like I said, you know, these uh, artists, specifically the Isley Brothers, have been producing music since the late 50s. 50s. Right. They are the only group they said that has at least a hit song in every decade from the 50s to now. Right. So they've had at least one, but I think they said they have, they've gone like 28 million platinum overall. So that tells you how big their catalogs, you know, span. Yep, exactly. So of course, um, started right on time, you know. Because old people don't have time to be late. Right. And (laughs) again, like like we mentioned, you know, uh, things are starting to, uh, uh, Versus started as a way to keep people engaged and entertained when they were secluded. So Mm -hmm. the original Versus was, you know, like me and Nika are doing with this podcast, you know, I'm in one location, she's in another location. We play our music and people, you know, kind of uh, reminisce, you know, and that was kind of like the whole standpoint. But now it's kind of grown. We, full blown production. Exactly. It's a full don't. It's a full blown production. So they had one of the most popular DJs that came out of the pandemic. DJ D Nice. Yeah, DJ D Nice. You know, a lot of people are just brand Club new quarantine. to him. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But we, like I said, we, we grew up. We've been new. Right. 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 <laughs> so his his whole career has kind of been revamped. As yeah. a re, uh, result of the pandemic, and of course that goes to show, which is why this whole production now, you know, he, he was de- doing some sets beginning of the 
the uh, verses started on time. They had Steve Harvey probably grew the up. The first not, verses that ever had a mm, host. Right, had a host. And I, I don't want to say probably, you know, according to his <laughs> long-winded interludes, <laughs> he grew up on this music so much so that every single song that they, you know, played, he had a specific story of where he was, what he was doing, what he was listening to, what he was wearing, you know, so that goes to one to show that, like I mentioned, this was a big production to get somebody like Steve Harvey to do this. And two, you know, their type of music means, and I could be wrong, uh, means so much more to mm-hmm. people than just it's timeless. Right. And it means so much more than just listening to music, right? You know, something people... to entertain you. All of these, both of these artists, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, the cleaning up. I don't know a black person, whether you're black American, whether you're black West Indian, mm-hmm. whether you're black European. Or Caribbean. Uh-huh. <laughs> we have the same experience. I right. don't know how it's possible. I don't know if it's in our DNA. But we all grew up to Sunday morning playing mm-hmm. the Earth, Wind and Watt Fire, Isley Brothers, um, Gap Band, mm-hmm. all of these. Maze, Frenchie Beverly. Yep. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. All the, we all grew up with that culture of this is intrinsically a part of us. Every baby shower, every cookout, cookout yeah. birthday party, uh-huh. fish fry, just chilling at the house involves these people and, and their music. It's the soundtrack to our lives, really. Right. And it because, like I mentioned before, it spans so many generations. So, you know, while me personally, when I was in high school, when I was in college, there may be a certain subset of music that I listen to that, you know, when my parents come over or my aunts and uncles come over, you know, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know if they into this, Can right? I get that hippity-hop right. You know, my kids have music to where, you know, if, you know, when they're playing it, we're like, they say, what? We don't, what's going on? But, you know, like this music between Earth, Wind & Fire and the Osley Brothers, I mean, it's like, it's good. It feel, it's feel good music. And it's music, like we, like I mentioned, that multiple generations can sit down and enjoy at the same time. Right. At the so same I, time. Yeah. So I think. And we did as a Twitter family <laughs> because the tweets were on fire. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you, you're, you're kind of like the, the tweet person. Was there any that kind of uh, stood out to you the most as a result of this? Yes. So, um, like I said, this is the first versus that's had a host when it was announced that Steve Harvey was going to be the host. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much a collective groan <laughs> from the culture. Because we already knew mm-hmm. what it was going to be out right. about. We knew he was going to be extra. Right. We knew he was going to center himself on everything. We know he was going to jump in when nobody asked him to jump in. <laughs> and he did just that. He did all so that, it, right. Yeah. So it was kind of broken up into like a first half. They had a costume change and then the second half. Okay. So he kept saying, because I know I tweeted a couple of things. He kept saying, you know, these catalogs are so big, we can't get through all of them. And I was like, if you would shut up <laughs> and just play the music, we could get through a whole lot more. But you have a 15-minute interlude dialogue session with just yourself right. about your experience. You're not even asking really the 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 guests of honor. So what was behind, you know, the creation of that song? Right. Where did that come from? He did it a little bit. Right. But for the most part, it was all about 
how it made him feel. And I get it. He was fanboying out because I get it. But people were roasting him on Twitter like nobody's business. <laughs> so when he came out at the after the second half, the Isley Brothers did a wardrobe change. He did a wardrobe change. <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, I heard y'all all on Twitter talking about I'm talking too much. <laughs> he was so <laughs> mad. Uh-huh. That he kept referring to it the rest of the show. And, you know, Swiss Beats even confirmed he was like, yeah, we had to talk. Because when he came back out, he was like, yeah, so the first half of it, it was about history. You know, we're trying to get into the behind the scenes of of how this made. I'm thinking pretty much everybody on here know what the behind the scenes is right unless you're talking specifically about the records and what the mindset was how they came up with it we already know this bro this we we've been living this life and he was like so the second half we're just gonna let it ride so he kind of tried to play it off cool Mm -hmm. but then of course twitter did not let up i bet somebody had some words somebody talked to him somebody said something (laughs) to him and so after that throughout the rest of the night yeah, your little young on Twitter uh-huh. talking about we don't need we don't need the young folks and then I brother Earth was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We like the young people. <laughs> we, we like the young people. We want them to hear. They they're like, Steve, you trying to cut into our money. Right. There's a lot of young people on here. We love the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that was probably um I think the biggest right. thing right. on Twitterverse that was just like, you know, that was in addition to, you know, the the love and, you know, talking about the different songs, you know, as they played, that was the biggest <clears throat> thing. And it, I was dying. Yeah. I and, was dying. Because she was really mad. Right. So I watched uh, the first half and probably uh, uh, I, I missed the second half where he came out and had those comments. But I, I assumed that, you know, because I was watching the actual comments. So I was interested to see what people say, because normally I just... Uh, put it on my phone and then go do something else while I'm actually listening to it. This time I actually sat down. I was like, let me read through the comments. And of course, you know, all, you know, it, it was, it was heartwarming, right? Because we, uh, a, a lot of regular folks, air quotes, you know, um, we, we outside of Twitter and outside of reaching out to celebrities on social media and seeing their daily lives, you know, it, it's kind of heartwarming to see that they were uh, fan, you know, uh, fans of the same, you know, had the same comments that a regular person would have. Right. So you see all these celebrities on here, you know, saying, oh, I love that song, you know, this and other. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, OK, well, it's cool, you know, that we there's another thing for us to bond, you know, with. It was community. Right. Exactly. So, you know, that was definitely interesting. Like I said, I went through and actually read all the comments or, you know, caught as much as I possibly could. But yeah, of course, that was a thing that stu- stu- stuck out because, like I said, it would have been one thing if Steve Harvey would have sat, would have actually sat down and maybe, you know... Had some questions prepared. Exactly. Had some thoughts because he had the playlist mm-hmm. of the song beforehand. Right. So if he had just put in a little bit more effort, the same effort that he put into his outfits and his changes <laughs> and his cigars... <laughs> You know, it may have been better because it seemed to me 
that the Isaac Brothers and Earth, Wind & Fire, they were just ready to let the music rock. Right. They were just like, they weren't really saying too much. They chime in here and there, but they were just pretty much, okay, let's get into this music and let it flow because this versus went for four hours. Yeah, and I, at the very end, when they play the song that everybody has been waiting for all night, that's when the stream goes out. Oh, no. Hit, <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. It kept counting. And I like, I go back in, then it go out and go back in. So apparently they had a talk with somebody and they got it back on. But by the time it had came back on, it was already halfway through September. Oh, yeah. I was like, we've been waiting for this. Everybody has been <laughs> waiting for this song. And the fun thing about the song is the Isley Brothers sang along with Earth, Wind & Fire okay. because the song is just so iconic right but it it, it it went out and they were like well the thing we've learned from from this is uh instagram live will cut you off after four hours right it right. wouldn't have taken four hours if your boy hadn't been talking the right. whole first half. talking about him going to meet some girl in college and sitting in the car and because his we... sister make him a, a uh, faux suede vest right <laughs> it's like Let's, we don't care about that man right. we all have our own story but I get it like you mentioned I get, it. I get it because this was the music of his coming of age you know throughout his childhood and early high school and college years I get it you know that goes the same for my parents right so I'm pretty sure that when he was telling those stories it probably took a lot of people back to those times in this music. But he could have tempered it something. Because right. we all had stories. Exactly. And we didn't all need to hear yours. We would I would have rather heard their stories because I didn't realize they did the that the Isley brothers did shout. Mm -hmm. No clue. My mind was blown. I would have liked to have heard, you know, their thoughts on how much what they created back mm -hmm. then, decades ago, is still relevant. Right. Um, when uh, he came up to do the uh, between between the sheets, mm -hmm. Ron Isley, mm -hmm. he started off with "I love it when you call me Big Papa" because that was a sample for Biggie, probably Biggie's biggest hit. Right. So you know those type of things I would have liked to hear more about. And I think um, DJ Scratch he posted in the comments he was like, "The Isley Brothers made over ten million alone in the '90s off of samples, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. even including their." touring or their new music off samples alone they made 10 million dollars so those are the type of stories right. that i would have appreciated hearing right personally right but in the end it was a good time yeah and like you said you know everybody had a good time you know all, you know all the songs that they played you know it just like I said, it just warms the heart that, you know, artists like those still exist, right? Because And they're getting their flowers. Right. And they still got the voice. Right. Because they were singing and harmonizing and, you know, on the guitar. I mean, it was just like, yo, this mm -hmm. is crazy yep. that these guys, I mean, what, Ron Isley is 79, 80? Mm -hmm. I mean, all of these guys are are older, they look, they all look great. Mm -hmm. They also had the voice. They all, some of them, Earth, Wind & Fire did a couple, you know, jigs, moves on the stage. So it just goes to show that one, these guys' music is timeless. Two, they are getting their flowers. Right. While they can still see it. And three, they still got it. Yeah, because yeah. Because the amount of thirst 
that I saw on my timeline from Juan <laughs> Isley, I was like, oh my word. And I honestly, I didn't realize it was him either when it first started. I was like, it's only, I said, where's Ron Isley? <laughs> I see these two people. I recognize the one, but I'm right. not quite sure who the other one is. And sure enough, it was him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely a good time. It definitely uh, interested to see where Versus goes next, because again, you know, they're doing a good job of, uh, uh, event after event topping the next so it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see you know where they go from here so shout out to them for building this platform you know and then making some money and selling it but still yeah because not... it was on you know before it was on Apple Music mm-hmm. I think it was streamed but put a Triller right. bought them right so they were this is the first night they were on the Triller app I was reading that people were having issues with the app, it eventually, I think, kind of evened out. I don't think they were probably completely prepared for mm-hmm. the amount of bandwidth traffic, even though I don't know how they couldn't be. <laughs> but they were the only group that did. Triller did get the full September mm-hmm. oh, um, they did. performance. Okay. Yeah. While those of us on Instagram Live uh, didn't. But um, maybe, but yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's by design. Maybe, maybe, you know, the next one that they come up with, you know, you may have to start a Triller account to make sure you don't miss anything because Instagram is lacking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. So moving on to other uh, social media news that probably should not have been news had it not been on social media. <laughs> Did you hear? Just idiots. Just a whole <laughs> idiot, man. Did you? Uh, obviously, you did hear about mm-hmm. Paul Pierce. You I know, saw the, uh, I seen the video. Yeah. Yeah. Let go by ESPN. You know, he was on a couple of shows on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Was let go after uh, him himself posting a video of his uh weekend shenanigans that included right you know at his <laughs> at his place or at uh somebody else's house or his own a private a, residence a private residence you know they were <laughs> enjoying weekend fun you know they had the tv going they had some music playing they were drinking alcohol uh, if from what we can tell, it looks like they were smoking some, you know, had some loud, you know, some some Mary Jane on them and was playing Little herbal refreshments. Yeah, yeah, his refreshments <laughs> flowing, playing some uh, poker, and also had some adults. Yeah, had some adult entertainment, entertainment. right? Live yeah. entertainment. Yeah, and, and I know what you're thinking. Well, this is what I was thinking. Well, what's wrong with that? You know, he's grown. Uh, according to him, you know, he's not married, you know, uh, again, I don't know the, all the details of that, but I'll take his word for it, you know, so him and his friends having a private engagement at his own home off the clock, not doing anything illegal, because according to the backstory, he was in California, weed is legal in California, alcohol is legal, private consumption, you know, adult entertainment, as long as everybody is consenting of age yeah, of age and consenting. There's nothing illegal to that. Uh, but the problem with that is number one, you work for Disney, you know, ESPN is owned by Disney. 
You think mm-hmm. of Mickey Mouse, you think of Disney princesses, which you don't think of as strippers. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that in there's and of no itself, stripper princess. That in and of itself, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, anyway, and I doubt it from Disney, right? So right. that's an issue. And number two, again, had it been that somebody was filming Paul Pierce at this event doing these things it might not have been an issue but the fact that he himself felt the need to stream his own whatever was going on i think in and of itself was the reason why disney decided okay we need to go ahead and move on because like i said the fact that he streamed it himself versus somebody else kind of you know off in the corner without his consent or without him knowing was actually mm-hmm. streaming some of this. I think, you know, that was... And he was the, bold with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Unapologetic. Right, which maybe, you know, we'll get to it in a minute. But, you know, the fact that... I guess the question I wanted to ask you was, why do we feel the need to stream and upload and... uh uh, record everything you know like i said none of that stuff was illegal that he was doing but the fact that he had to stream it at all is the one issue that kind of led to everything so why do you feel even with somebody's paul pierce because you you mm-hmm. can say these young kids right they they stream everything but paul pierce is our age he's grown, yeah. right right he's grown he's got a lot more to lose you know so right. the fact that he I don't know, did this mental math and said, well, I'm just going to go ahead and roll the dice anyway. You know, why do we feel like we need to stream everything? So according to the internet, he is still married. He may be separated. I don't know. But the internet says he's married. Okay. Not divorced, not separated, but married. Even even still, you know. Even even still, everything that he did mm -hmm. was legal well the only uh-huh. the only questionable thing the, the point i was going to make was i don't particularly have an issue uh with married men doing bachelor parties mm-hmm. or even going to the strip club right we just talked about this in one of my group chats last night but the, <laughs> the whole thing right yeah. but the fact that you know he's filming himself his family his wife is not around the person that was, you know, and you'd have to go back and go and do your searches and watch the actual videos. There was some young lady that was rubbing his shoulders again in and of itself. It's not a big issue, but mm-hmm. when you, it, it's just, it, it, it was just all that adds up to, it's like some of this stuff, while not illegal, it just paints a picture to where you can cause more problem or more harm yourself than good. So why even film it in the first place? And as we talked about it in the um, live show, um, actions have consequences. Um, While what he did was not illegal, he still has, he still is accountable to people. And Disney is a private company. ESPN is a private company and they are well within their rights to say, this does not, present an image that we, we want, want for our company. Yep. Right. But I think it's just, we've talked about this, I think many times before this social media culture just got a hold on people. Right. And right. They, I think people feel as if I don't show it on the internet, it, it didn't, didn't happen. happen. Yeah. 
Um, I need to flex right. on the internet and show these other lame losers. Look, I got something going on. I'm having fun. This you don't got this. Look at me. Look at me. Right. And again, he is a celebrity and a former professional athlete, so he's used to being adored and you know center of attention. Right. Center of attention. And somebody posted on Twitter. He was there like. You did all this for an IG video with only 379 views. <laughs> and I was like, that's what he really should be ashamed about. Right. I mean, you're doing all this. You don't got fired. Your wife out here embarrassed. Your kids out here embarrassed. All for 379 views. Which brings up the other point that somebody made. You know, maybe this was intentional. Maybe he wanted to get out of his contract, but couldn't break it himself by saying, hey, I want out of this contract because maybe he would. I don't know how contracts between athletes or media personalities go, but maybe indirectly by him doing something so weird and so not not weird. But you're willing to set your life on fire just to get out of a contract like that? I don't know. Maybe maybe. He was in renegotiations and it wasn't working the way he wanted to. Maybe he wanted more money. They really wasn't willing. Again, this is all hypothetical. This is all speculative. We make this up. We don't know. Right, right. But I'm I'm trying to come up with a reason as to why, you know, out of the blue, again, for only 370 some odd people, why would you go through all this effort? And I don't know if he's, I don't, I'm not a Paul Pierce fan. Never have been. Right. He's a big crybaby to me, but I digress. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, to, I don't think I've seen anything like this from him before. Right. So I don't know if the quarantine is finally getting to people and, you know, it's like, well, I ain't doing nothing else. I can't really go nowhere. We're not really doing nothing. Right. So let me just, you know, do this for the grandma quick. And it could just be he wanted to post it because people do it all the time. And I'm going to be honest. They may necessarily have the consequences that he has, Mm -hmm. but people do it all the time. And uh, can I be honest? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. I think the the focus of all the attention was the women, right? You know, Mm -hmm. you had the the, the young lady rubbing his shoulders, bringing him drinks. And then, of course, you know, he kind of, in the video, he pans to other women. Someone was over there backing it up. They were they doing their own thing. Good time having, yeah. Doing what they do. Can I be honest? Be honest. Tell you shame to them. <laughs> them, the women, no shade to them. Mm. I don't think. He got I, more money than that. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> my image of a private engagement that you have went through the trouble of hiring uh, dancers. Well, let's not call them strippers, but we, we know what it is. I would think they have a little bit more meat on their bones, would do a little bit better job of performing because what well, I saw, quality. I was like, this is it. This is what you stream. This is what you, this, you, you like you mentioned before, Maybe. he called himself, you know, uh, showing out, flexing. I'm like, you are what. I didn't see a whole lot of money on the floor. These women, again, did not have all the curves that I, being a man who has been to a strip club in Atlanta, you know. Maybe that's what they're doing out in L.A. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) But again, all the things he wasn't, all the things he was doing to me, you know, like you mentioned, wasn't worth 
going through the effort again because he only had 300 and some odd people <laughs> and you lost your job. I mean, if I'm going to go And through- you embarrassed yourself and you get mean, bro. Because <laughs> he, he was like, you know how you kind of laugh through something you going on? Mm-hmm. Like he posted some video right. making it seem like, oh, I'm good, whatever. Yeah. And it was like, you just crying through the pain, bro. Because <laughs> again, if I'm going to go out like that, I mean, I'm going at women going to be hanging from the ceiling. They're going to be doing flips. You know, it's going to be all the tricks, right? The it's stuff. the pyrotechnics, <laughs> high quality, <laughs> all kinds of stuff going on. But, you know, again, which again, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily believe it, but, you know, maybe something was intentional. I don't know. Maybe there was an ulterior motive. I don't know. Because again, like you mentioned before, this is unlike him. In the sense that he's never publicly done anything like this. Now, privately, who knows, but never publicly displayed something like this. And for him to just on a weird, oddball weekend to do something like this, you know, who knows? Who knows? Easter weekend, too? Come on, yeah. man. So, yeah, all that to say, you know, uh, another one by dust as it relates to people's need to post on social media what should be kept private. Again, right. that's just more. Just if you want to take a video, just take the video for your phone and share it around your your group text. Or, that's what group texts are for. Not everything needs to be on the timeline. Right. Some stuff, or he could have did it on his close friends. Or I not mean, at all, and just <laughs> leave the memory in your mind. You know, <laughs> if I'm. But if you're gonna do it, be smart. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, again, like like I mentioned, it's just another one, another social media faux pas that's becoming the norm you know so all you out there you know if you're going to do something that even remotely may be taken out of context just don't even a little skin (laughs) leave the phone down leave it alone especially if you're inebriated or high definitely take extra precaution but because these things just don't happen to celebrities you can lose your Regular nine to five job for out here doing some stupid stuff. Flexing for the gram. Do it for the gram. For the gram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Speaking of recording, <laughs> we're going to move into the hookup where we uh, offer any sort of tips. And one I found is uh, if you want to play music, maybe some better uh, stripper songs <laughs> while you're recording. <laughs> You can uh, continue to actually shoot video while playing music on your uh, iPhone. Typically, how it works is anytime you go to um, record video while you're playing the music, uh, iPhone is maybe sort of trying to mute the music so you can actually record what's going on in whatever you're recording. But if you Mm -hmm. want music to play while you're recording, the trick is to instead of opening the camera app and clicking the video button. Basically what you do is you open the camera app, but you stay in photo mode instead of flipping to the video mode. You start recording your video while holding down the shutter button at the bottom of the screen. Keep it held while you're shooting or slide the button to the right to lock it in video recording mode. That way while you're recording, you can actually have music playing like a playlist or a track in, I don't know, Apple Music or Spotify or whatever the case may be. Uh, that way you can have that music playing while you're actually recording uh, video and audio from whatever subject, whatever you're actually shooting. And then when you're done, you just press the stop button like you normally would 
and then that stops the actual uh, video. So that's my tip for the week. If you want to listen to music playing on your iPhone while recording, instead of flipping it to video mode, hold the shutter button or slide the shutter button, actually lock it in video mode. So that is my tip for the week. Uh, Nika, if you don't have anything, I think nope. that is going to do it for this week's episode. Again, we want to thank you all for all your support. Uh, to continue your support, please download, rate, and review our podcast. We're on Google Podcasts, we're on Apple Podcasts, and we're on Spotify. Definitely engage with us on Twitter. We're at uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the handle at SnobOSCast. Uh, definitely watch us on YouTube. We upload the video to YouTube. If you find it, please like, subscribe, comment, do all the YouTube stuff. Uh, definitely, if you want to leave us comments, you can do so on our website and email. Uh, you can go to our website, SnobOSCast.com, or you can send us an email, SnobOSCast at gmail.com. Uh, also, if you want to support the show, uh, we do a live show so you get this live. We also do a pre-show to where you get access to additional content that won't be on the regular podcast. And you get access to our private community for as little as $5 a month. You can support us via Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash snobos you can become a snobos member uh if you don't want to have that long commitment and you just want to give us a love offering you can do so via paypal if you go to paypal.me forward slash snobos you can leave us a one-time donation uh other than that i think that is it this week uh definitely stay safe out there in those pandemic streets i know uh here in georgia they're starting to lift some of those restrictions i'm pretty sure they are starting to roll those out nationwide, but definitely continue to stay safe, stay vigilant, continue to social distance, take your health and safety precautions to the utmost, and we will see you next week. Peace. Bye.